0: Proud moment last night, Tyler. Proud moment.
1: I don't think anyone was proud. Everyone was upset. Takes a three I and know. nails it and it's like, oh you almost had it. He you almost- blew it. <laughs> That's what everyone was saying, man.
0: Uh yeah, that was disappointing, but Proud moment. Seeing the listeners coming out of the woodwork on Twitter, everyone was was really <laughs> This is how dumb we've become. We had an army of people openly cheering for the final score no, of 69. Yeah,
1: normally the first, uh, what, 39 minutes and 30 seconds of the basketball game is about the OU basketball team, but the last 30 seconds of every game normally um, is all about you. Will they make it two? Will they miss this three to end up at 69?
0: Hit a foul shot, uh, purposely missed the second one. Yeah, mm. um I don't know. We've got to have we got to have some type of uh, I don't know, maybe we we get a bunch of the listener 32 shirts or something and we celebrate anytime we've got a final score. Uh we celebrate and give away some t-shirts the next so, day. So,
1: I tweeted out something last night. I just said, "Jordan Goldwire just let every one of our listeners down. <laughs> Teddy 69 final score prediction misses again so close." And I got a retweet from an account. I'm going to try to find it again. It was called Nicebot. Now, I've never heard of (laughs) NiceBots. I don't follow it. It does not follow me. So I'm like, who is this? And the description in the account... Says I retweet almost everything with sixty nine. That's just all it says. <laughs> so that felt pretty good. What an account! And it felt pretty good. That's
0: that's <laughs> the uh, that's the account I've been searching for on Twitter yeah, forever. It
1: felt awesome. We'll uh, get we'll get you to log in for for that account.
0: That is fantastic. <laughs> um, wow. Well, hey, um, checked another one off the off the list. Right. Good win. Needed it. Controlled the, the basketball game pretty much the entire time. So, yeah, they, they are. They,
1: they did what they needed to do tonight. And dare I say, it was not very stressful at all. Yeah. Normally, if you get a win with these guys, you got to go through an incredible amount of stress, like on Saturday in Bedlam. But that was easy as she goes, man. I can yeah. I can handle a few more of those.
0: That's right. Let's go. Uh, Pretty good stuff. So, right now, we are tied with Oklahoma State and Kansas State with six conference wins each and um we're going on the road to to try and one up Kansas State here to end things off so yeah that, still got a chance man still still hanging in there it, the picture looks way better now than it did Week ago, yeah.
1: I mean, I think the the uh, picture is pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, win at Kansas State yeah. and beat a really good team in the first round of the Big Twelve tournament. It's not an easy road, but I, I think that that's your road at this point. There's probably an alternate road you can lose um, against Kansas State, but you'll have to beat West Virginia in the first round, and then you'll definitely have to beat another really good team in the second round of the Big Twelve tournament. Yeah. All, all in all, like it doesn't matter the scenario. You're going to have to at least win one game in Kansas City. At least.
0: Although Kansas State is not very good this year, um, it has been a near impossible feat, regardless of how good Oklahoma is, to go up there and get a win Man. on the road. The
1: last time I was up there, OU was the number one team in the country. Kansas State was unranked, having a tough season, uh, Dean Wade, Barry Brown were, I think, true freshmen that year, I want to say. I I feel
0: like Brown played there for yeah. 10 years.
1: Well, uh, I think K State won by like 12 that day. It's like, dang, the number one team in the country coming up here against a bad K State team. And it's, I don't I know. I feel like
0: a, they beat us. Deal. I don't know what year it was, but right, when they were awful and we were. We weren't number one, but we were. Well,
1: you're thinking of the year, probably Trey Young's year, where OU was yeah. number four in the country going up there, and they got beat down pretty bad.
0: Yeah, I think that's it. it. We were number four, and Kansas State was not good at the time, and we still couldn't get out of there with it. W. But I don't know. I. Heck, I don't, I don't. I don't have any prediction for you. The only thing I can say is they absolutely need to win it. So
1: yeah. Uh, what do you think about Chip Brown saying that it's not likely that OU and Texas leave the Big Twelve before twenty twenty four? Because well, OU just isn't, isn't as financially flexible as Texas when it comes to the eighty million dollar buyouts. Well,
0: we we are not as financially flexible we're not a poor though no we're not we're not a poor and here's the thing and it's it's some of it is is tough to speak on because i don't know exactly how all of the the grant of rights and the contracts read you know it doesn't make any sense to leave after the 23 season, if you're still going to pay a huge buyout, if you're going to pay a huge buyout, you leave as soon as possible to start getting the bigger influx sure. of cash. Right. So, like, some of that doesn't make sense. Now, I don't know if there's a um, – like – the The longer you wait, the smaller that buyout fee is. I'm not sure how that works, but um, he's he's been good on some things. He's been bad on some things. But this is one that I don't think anyone really can can necessarily speak to. I I doubt anyone at Texas is. Like, if Texas is really wanting to go, because originally we heard right after this thing came out that, you know, part of this bill might be thrown in there by Texas via ESPN for ESPN to get Texas out of that horrible Longhorn Network deal that they keep paying them a ton of money on, right? Yeah. yeah. So, like, I don't know if Oklahoma's acting like, you know, they're poor and broke to try and and get that – deal to to come through like it was originally talked about. I don't know what the exact stance is, but I find it I've, I still find it hard to believe that we would wait that long. Now, here's the other thing that you do have to remember in all of this. We did not want this getting out. True. If it were up to Josie and the powers that be up there,
1: this would probably still be
0: under wraps. I don't
1: I don't think Texas can keep a secret that long. You know how they operate sure. down there.
0: Sure. No, I know. I'm just saying that it may have been it may have been in their plans to to wait till the end of the Grand of Rights deal all along. I don't know what the answer Maybe to that it, is.
1: Maybe it it could just be a a hope by Texas at this point that OU isn't financially stable enough to pay the buyouts. Because they're kind of self-evaluating themselves right now and saying, oh, God, we are not ready for this conference. Let's hope that OU financially isn't either so we can get our act together a little bit in a weaker conference before we go get embarrassed in the SEC.
0: Well, you know, here's the thing. A lot of times the, the folks in the administration end of the athletic department well, they don't care nearly as much about your team being ready. They care about getting there and getting that big payday, right? So I don't I don't know how I feel about that. Like part of me still and I'd love to hear what OU's take on it is, but part of me is like as soon as the Big Twelve engaged and brought other teams in, I like I've got a very elementary understanding of the Grant of Rights deal, but to me, whenever they bring in other teams, and they've talked about this, the Grand of Ride deal is dead. So I don't know how all of that is playing out I,
1: I also factor then it, this in as well. So let's go back to when the negotiating was going on between Joe Castiglione and Brent Venables for this job. Right. I'm sure at some point in the conversation, Brent Venables said, okay, you're going to the SEC. What year do you think that that's going to take place? I'm going right. to guess that – before he took the job, he has a pretty good idea of when they're 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 actually going to play a season in the SEC. Now, the tone of BV talking about that conference in the introductory press conference every single time since, I don't know, that tone doesn't make me think it's three years away from happening. Right. Like, the tone from him makes me think that it's going to be as soon as we think it's going to be. So it, I, I factor that in pretty heavily.
0: It was in the first paragraph of um of his speech whenever he got off the plane i mean it's one of the first things he mentioned we're taking this thing to the sec
1: and i don't think that you're openly just saying that if you're not going to be in that conference until like 2025 I, I which
0: feel- isn't it so weird that and i don't know i don't know where this came from it may have just been how it was going with with Josie and the administration, but up until up until Brent Venables uttered the letters S E C, it had been the don't ask, don't tell, don't mention. Especially
1: with Muleshoe, do not. It's a taboo yeah. topic. Do not mention. Yeah. You, you you might as well ask for uh, injury news with that guy before you ask about the yeah. uh, the SEC. It was
0: you know it was really treated as if you know we talked about it, media talked about it, everyone on social media obviously, but whenever it came to. Getting someone at OU to even say anything about the SEC, you couldn't get anything.
1: It was, it was awkward.
0: And then all the of a sudden, certain. I don't know if they ever – like they felt like maybe Venables knew that he wasn't supposed to talk about it and he went out. And grabbed the mic and said,
1: we're going to the SEC, baby. Well, it's smart because we're, I mean, we're talking about the recruiting bump it's going to Let's give go. you. Yeah, So talk about it. Let's go. And that was what was so weird with Shoe is, well, dude, it's going to help you out recruiting. It's going to be a bump. But you didn't like, you didn't like never mentioned it at all. It was, are you, are you using this on the recruiting trail? Are you not talking about it out there? Like you're not here? What's, what's, what's going on there?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. It was, um. It was great whenever it all happened, but I, I I I wish I had more information and maybe I should start snooping around. Yeah,
1: I'll try to do the same. See what
0: people say out there. I, I don't I don't know that you can ever get any any like good concrete answers from the people that know. It seems like the people that know are very good at you know, non committal can't really say, ah, that decision hasn't really been made. All it depends on all of these different factors. Which, you know, that's that's how you play the game politically. So I get it, but I don't I don't know. I still I still believe that next year is the year. I honestly thought this year was gonna be the year. I thought they'd rip the band aid off, but um I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there. I think
1: they should just write uh, the Big 12 and Bob Bowlesby an $80 million uh, IOU. <laughs> but, Her- Harry and Lloyd used yeah. IOUs, and you know that ended up just fine. Uh, this
0: is our Big 12 exit fee. Uh, you might want to hang on to that one.
1: <laughs> IOU $80 million. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, good stuff. Well, I don't know, but we'll be ready whenever we make the move. It's going to be exciting whenever we make the move. And I think it's going to crank the level of play uh, that you see from this football team. Up, we talked about it yesterday. I I think that Oklahoma has has been in cruise control, sleepwalk, however you want to phrase it. The Big Twelve and and I'm not saying that the Big Twelve has not produced good teams. Year in, year out. There that has been the case. But we usually don't know who it's going to be going into the season. And we kind of find our way to it by the end of the year. And but even that, it just doesn't bring just doesn't heighten the awareness going into the into the season. Like all throughout the offseason. It doesn't matter how many times the coaches say it. You're never going to be able to strike fear into your players about all it takes to prepare whenever you've got a top Iowa State or Kansas State or Baylor. It's just – and that's no disrespect to those schools. It's just – that's just how it is.
1: On that subject, I was uh, randomly looking at Arkansas's schedule because they have the toughest schedule in college football for about the 47th straight year. And I don't know if OU's will ever be like – extremely comparable to this or not, but in some ways it will be. So Arkansas Arkansas's schedule next year. Cincinnati to open up the year, college football playoff team. South Carolina in week two. Both of those are home games. They open up Cincinnati and South Carolina. Mm. Which normally South Carolina you're like, eh, okay. Well they got Spencer Rattler coming in there next yeah. year, right?
0: And that mm-hmm. was a under a first year beamer Won what they go seven and six went to a bowl
1: game yeah yeah, yeah won their seven bowl six, game. went yeah. to a bowl game uh, Missouri State as you say Batrino will be in Fayetteville in week three
0: that's going to be interesting oh uh, yeah
1: how do you think it, that's, that's going to fa- go that's family weekend in uh, at Arkansas this year do they
0: hate him hard. there or do they no, just kind of laugh no he at the, he
1: went back probably four or five years ago when there's a touchdown club and Little Rock or mm-hmm. something like that, and he, he spoke at it. So I think it's – I think that they're over it and, you know, feel sorry for him and, and all that. I think it's all good there.
0: It's not Harley week where <laughs> everyone shows up on their They'll motorcycles. They probably will
1: do that. A&M at a neutral site, Alabama at home, at Mississippi State, at BYU, at Auburn, Woo. Liberty at home, LSU at home, Ole Miss at home, at Missouri.
0: Yo, that may be – that may be – the toughest now I know Liberty lost their their quarterback, so that one's gonna be a little Still a bit different.
1: Pretty good little football program yeah. right now.
0: That may be the most difficult other than Notre Dame non power five non conference schedule you can put together. Seriously.
1: If you're an Arkansas season ticket holder next year, you get Cincinnati, South Carolina, uh Missouri State, Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss.
0: Yeah. That's nuts. Does that look a
1: little bit better than what OU's home schedule is next yeah. year. Would Arkansas's worst home game be as good as OU's best home yeah. game next year? Even
0: Liberty coming is that's a that's a non Power Five team, but that's a that's an interesting little program. That's not you're not bringing in you know the Citadel or something there to just totally beat up on. They've got some legitimate players. Uh, road trips to Auburn, Missouri. BYU, isn't that stadium at BYU pretty cool, like it's right in the amazing. mountains? It's amazing,
1: yeah. It's it, The mountains are kind of the the backdrop there. It's one of the more picturesque scenes in college football.
0: Now, they play Texas A&M at a neutral site. Where is that?
1: Arlington every year.
0: Uh, well,
1: wow. Wow, that that fell flat.
0: Mm-hmm. Yay. Well, that is tough. And um, I'll say this. I would love to trade schedules with them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the one OU has is more conducive to going 11 and 1, sure. but their schedule would be way more fun. Also, that schedule is another reason why I'm not buying into Arkansas as a preseason top 15 team next year. So,
0: Yeah, Cincinnati not they're going to they don't have their quarterback. They're losing some really good players. Um, they're probably, especially early in the year, they're, they're, they're not going to be the Cincinnati we saw down the stretch last year, but South Carolina is going to be a really tough one. That's, that's going to be a big one for, uh, Radler and Beamer, their road trip early in the year. All right. Quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Keep hitting us on the air comfort solutions. Text line 651-3439.
1: Air Cover Solutions text line 651-3439. Teddy and Tyler, we are inside the Brown O'Haver Studio today. Hit us up there. Uh, I'll go to the Air Cover Solutions text line here. This one says any wrestling news. Teddy is our OU wrestling correspondent. So do you have any uh, news on the program? Big Twelve championships coming up this weekend in Tulsa. I do know that.
0: I do not have any information regarding. Um NCAA wrestling.
1: Tell the dumb Oki it's Cincinnati, not Cincinnati. <laughs> I think that one's directed at you. Me? Yeah, the dumb Oki. That one mm. didn't give it away. I was gonna. I was just gonna send that to Toby or or whoever. <laughs> just need eighty thousand fans to pony up one thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. This shouldn't be too tough to ask, right?
0: Yeah, that's going to be tough to ask. <laughs>
1: Trent, Athlon Sports ranked the Big 12 quarterbacks. One, Dylan Gabriel. Two, Spencer Sanders. Three, Quinn Ewers. Four, Gary Bohannon. Five, Adrian Martinez. Six, Max Duggan. Seven, Donovan Smith. Eight, Jalen Daniels. Nine, Hunter Deckers. Um, yeah, we talked about that last week, actually. And my big takeaway was one, I agree. Dylan Gabriel has the best resume. And two, If OU does, in fact, end up with the best quarterback in the league, well, guess who's going to win the Big 12 this year? Because history says when OU has the best quarterback in the conference, the only time that they've had the best quarterback in the conference and not won the league was 2003. And that team was the best team in the Big 12, It just lost in Kansas City that night.
0: I've got Gabrielle, Sanders, Ewers. Who's next?
1: Four? Gabriel. Sanders, Ewers, Bohannon, yeah, Adrian Martinez at five, yeah, Duggan at six, yeah, Donovan Smith at seven,
0: okay, Jalen
1: Daniels at eight, Hunter Deckers at nine, and then whoever starts for West Virginia at ten,
0: right. Um, as of right now, I agree with Dylan Gabriel as number one. Now, there. It, there's some unknown there, right? We we've seen him at uh, Central Florida; he was electric there. You would expect whenever he comes to Oklahoma, all of the pieces around him are going to be better. Offensive line, uh, skill position guys, tight ends—all of that's going to be better. Now the competition is going to be better, more consistently. But I think with with you know, his maturity, what what he has around him. I think there's a good chance that he ends up being number one. Um, number two, the Sanders kid. I'm very hesitant to put him at number two, but I don't have. Who else? Who You got to put someone there. You know who I was thinking about putting there? Adrian Martinez. Yes. Yeah. And I know people are just going to like scoff at that with Adrian Martinez. And I understand, but I don't know. Something about that fit makes me feel like he's going to have a really, really good year.
1: So, is Dylan better than Williams? I love how you guys put Williams in the uh, text line now. So, is Dylan Gabriel better than Williams since Sanders won first-team All-Big 12 over Caleb last year? I know people are using that as a reason as to why Spencer Sanders should be considered the best quarterback or the second-best quarterback going into the year next year, but that is not always the right tool to use to really talk about who the best quarterback in the conference is. I'll remind you of who the past two quarterbacks have been that have won that award, Spencer Sanders and Brock Purdy.
0: Yeah, neither one of them has won a Big 12 championship, right? Um, A lot of times that is going to go to – what voters believe is the quarterback on the the best team, right? That's that's a lot of times what that's going to mean. Doesn't always mean who's the best quarterback.
1: Um, and I don't think either one of those guys were actually the best quarterbacks in the conference that year. I, I think that Rattler was better than um, Brock Purdy when he won the award, and that showed up in the Big Twelve championship was way better game.
0: Better than him in a head to head. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I. All of this is really up for debate. I like, I like Bo Hanion. I like uh, Duggan. I like a lot of these guys. It is a, it's appalling, absurd. Frankly, it's just ridiculous, and I feel like whoever does it and continues to repeat it loses all credibility. Whenever you put a kid that has not taken a single snap of division 1 football
1: Did he take two snaps last year at Ohio State? Maybe. I feel like he took two or three snaps, but Hand the ball off late in yeah. a blowout. I, I, you might as well just go ahead and say that he's never taken a, a snap before.
0: Right. To put him number 3 I think is yeah, it's, absurd. It's it's ridiculous. Now. Yeah. He may he may well end up there. But you have absolutely nothing to go off of. Nothing. I I just don't think you can make that claim. The only reason people make that claim is because you're not held to account if like, he doesn't even get the starting job or whatever,
1: right? Well, Texas is hoping that not only is that right, but that's even a conservative take on how good he's going to be. He could be the main factor. Now Now, after a 5-7 and seven season, Quinn Ewers could be the main number one overall factor as to if this Steve Sarkeesian thing works out in Austin or not. If yeah. he does work out and he ends up being a great quarterback, then well, Texas will hold their own for sure. Um, they'll be competitive this year in the Big 12, and we'll see what happens in the SEC with a really good quarterback. But if this guy is not a good player and you get inconsistent quarterback play like he got last year – Buddy, it's gonna be another tough year in the on the 40 acres. Yeah. So I, I, I do think that this directly affects what, what happens to Sork and that staff. You better hope this works out.
0: Right. here's the thing, man. Ewers is gonna come in as a freshman, right? Now he's gonna have the best running back in the conference. He's going to have – Maybe of, the best receiver, yeah, one of them, man. One of the best receivers in the conference. He's going to have a, a group of receivers. Um, he's got a good offense. I think they're they're going to continue to improve on the O-line. But here's the thing, man. Like, Casey Thompson last year was a 63% completion guy, which isn't high, but that usually doesn't tell you everything that you need to know. He was a 24 touchdowns to 9 interception guy and he even added a little bit for you in the running game. He had four rushing touchdowns as well. So, he had 28 overall touchdowns to 9 interceptions. That's pretty good. And I would venture to say that I don't know what the attempts and everything's going to look like because Thompson didn't start the the entire year, but I would venture to say that yours numbers probably are not going to be as good as Casey Thompson's well, a- actually, were,
1: five and they were 5-7. Well, that's what I was about to say. Is I think that that's the scariest thing that you could have said to any Texas fan out there. Is normally, if you're a school like Texas and you go 5-7, and seven, that almost always has to mean, dude, your quarterback play ended up just being just god-awful and you couldn't figure anything out there. That's what happened to Texas in 2010 when Garrett Gilbert took over. It was an absolute disaster. That's kind of concerning, man, that the quarterback play wasn't elite, but it also wasn't that bad. It was it was okay and you still go 5 and 7 last year. Yeah. So you can't just sit back and blame the quarterback. That really kind of illustrates how many just roster issues they have right now and how far they have to go.
0: Yeah. I I think they I think they have. I I know they've got uh, Bijan Robinson coming back. I'm pretty sure Roshan Johnson's coming back too, right? Unless he left early. Year, this
1: COVID year messes me up on everything. Man. Well, he
0: was a junior last year, so he's back unless he is leaving early, which I I can't imagine. He feel, but it we've feels seen, like he's been there eight years. By I the know. way, um, and I think both Xavier Worthy and the. Uh, Whittington kid are Xavier coming back.
1: Worthy's back. They got a transfer from uh, Wyoming that they think is going to be pretty good. I'll be very wait and see on that one, but Xavier Worthy by himself. I mean, that's yeah. that, he's a really good player.
0: So they've got a they got a really good skill position group coming back. Um, I don't know, we'll see.
1: But can they block anyone? That's Quinn been a question Ewers now number a three decade.
0: ahead of uh, Bo Bohanyon, who was. Interception free through like nine games last year. One a Big I'm sorry. 12 title
1: and a Sugar Bowl last year.
0: Yeah, come on. That is a slap in the face. Especially with the mullet on top of everything.
1: Baylor's going to be the best team in the state of Texas this year. Hmm. What do you think about that? If we did a state of Texas ranking. I would put Baylor at number one. And I guess A&M at number two. What
0: about the University of Texas San Antonio? They're at number three.
1: <laughs> Texas, uh, I don't know. They fall a little bit further down the list than that. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm really interested
0: to see. Isn't this crazy? New regimes at TCU and at Tech. At Tech, not a surprise, but I don't know. I would. I would not have gone into last season saying that. Oh, yeah, this is Patterson's last year. TCU's going to have a new head coach. It's just weird because he's been there for so long. So really interested to see how those those two uh, regimes end up doing, which, you know, I it's hard to follow a guy like Patterson, there's no doubt, but I think some change sometimes can do some good, you know? Doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be a better head coach than Patterson, but A new way of doing some things sometimes can light a fire. All right, quick timeout. More from The Rush coming up. Hour number one rolls on next.
1: Citra, Oklahoma, Buick GMC Dealers bringing you our number one of the rush on this Wednesday. A couple texts to get to on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, and then we'll move on. First, please tell me which title has the higher rank, associate or assistant head coach? Assistant. Trying to be funny or what?
0: No. I think, it, I think that's higher.
1: What if you're named the associate head coach? You can be an assistant coach and an associate head coach, right?
0: Yeah, I think uh, an uh, associate head coach is – I don't know. I thought I was going to be able to explain it, but it it seems that the assistant head coach typically goes to someone that you would consider to be higher on the pecking order – than where the associate head coach goes that could be totally wrong frankly I'm shooting from the hip right now
1: I think associate is the uh the higher of the two well I mean there's more assistants normally than like associate head coaches so I'll go with associate on that one Hmm. this one says don't sleep on Houston probably top 25 would you blame me if I uh Houston the football team Yeah, so actually... How can we
0: sleep on them? They're ranked higher than us in a bunch of polls. Yeah.
1: Uh, Would you fault me too much if I think that Dana Holgerson's not going to live up to expectations this year? He got a four-year contract extension in the offseason, four and eight in 2019, three and five in 2020. Then he ripped off a uh, 12-2 and last year and got himself a four-year extension, $4.2 million a year. I guess put me in the camp of uh, Houston taking a big step back after a really good season and Dana getting a nice little contract extension.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: who'd they beat in their bowl game? I do not remember who Houston played in the bowl game last year. I
0: just remember uh, him smoking the cigar at the pool on top of the roof of the hotel they were staying at. For yeah, the game.
1: then he had like the bowl trophy s- sit next to him in the plane on the plane ride back.
0: Yeah, I'm trying. It was a it was a decent win, whoever it was. But um, I've found now this is on some random hockey website, but this says in terms of the coaching hierarchy, associate coaches are one step above a normal assistant That's coach, what I thought. but and one step below a head coach. But you're asking the difference be- between. An assistant head coach, an associate head coach. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that so I can just
1: associate it. is the answer. Making this way more difficult than it needs to be. Auburn is who uh, Houston beat last year. I believe that was in the Birmingham Bowl. Yeah. So Auburn had a home field advantage, six and six football team, and still getting beat Houston last year. Nice. What a joke. I put this out on Twitter on our uh, Twitter page. The ref. It's been nearly three months since Britt Venables was hired at OU. What's the one thing that's happened outside of the actual hire of Venables where you've said, yeah, this program is in better shape? David Goodspeed says, the culture we are seeing, the former players being a part of it, the family is back. Now let's see how it shows up on the field, but I'm not worried one bit. Noah Allen, former OU quarterback, says, Lebby back, Schmitty back, B. Hall back. Yeah. Um That's not a very I shouldn't say it's not a very popular take, but more people are saying the Todd Bates hire or the Schmidty hire over the Jeff Levy hire. And there could definitely be a chance to where we say, Wow. Uh one of the best things Jeff or uh, that uh Jerry Schmertz, gosh, Britt Vittables ever did was his first offensive coordinator hire. That was yep. a home run out of Ole Miss.
0: Yeah, yep, yep, yep. And it may be good enough that he's got to already start worrying about his second head coaching hire or a sure. uh, second uh, offensive coordinator hire. And it's kind of like Bob when Bob came, he took brought Mike Leach with him, and Mike was gone after a year, and and hired that position from within, which, you know, I would, I would think there'd be a really good chance that Venables would do that.
1: Yeah, uh, you, in a roundabout way, asked Bob this yesterday when he was on with us, but it really is so critical to really just make sure you get your initial hires right when you first get a head coaching job. I mean, that is so important to get it right, right away, rather than, you mm-hmm. know, two or three years down the road. And Bob did that, man, making uh, Mike and Brent co DCs. I mean, I, was there a better duo in college football there for about a four or five year stretch? I don't know if there was. No. Mike Leach as the OC and what it did for the offense in 99. He just, Jerry Schmidt as the strength and conditioning coordinator. There's a guy that made the right hires right away, and let's hope that BV – I feel like BV has, but let's hope that that's kind of the same thing. as like, dang, he knocked it out of the park with that initial staff.
0: So, to answer your Twitter question, so far we've got culture, we've got staff. Anything else that's sticking out on uh, there?
1: Stats Kelly says recruiting, holding together a top ten recruiting class, almost unheard of. Cruton, okay. Number 1 has to be reaching back out and involving former players who were largely kept at arm's length during the last regime. That's from Brent winnables.
0: I feel like I am including that in culture because I think that's part of building the culture, right?
1: Yeah. Um, in terms of anything outside of culture or what we've already mentioned, this one just says, It ain't good enough! greater than we're close.
0: I think that's culture as well. Um... I think I think one of the biggest things that Venables has done and is probably had the most immediate impact on the team moving forward is something that is not gonna really generate all that much attention. And it's administrative. And the reason I say administrative is the amount of positions that he's added, the efficiency with which they're able to travel and recruit now. Uh, there's been a, a a much bigger press for private jets for for coaches that are going to see multiple recruits. Yeah, and and it's it's all about time. It's expensive, but. I mean, think about Bill Biedenbow, who's got to recruit, you know, five positions, and he's got to go see guys all over the place with a limited amount of time. If he's going commercial, he can see one, maybe two kids a day. If he's going private, he can probably see six or eight guys a day. So, like, the administrative back office part of it, adding all of these different roles Um, delegating a lot of these duties to where the head coach can be the head coach, the position coaches and coordinators can be position coaches and coordinators, the strength staff can be the strength staff, and all of the other administrative duties are delegated out to different roles instead of those guys having to do the bulk of everything.
1: Sean says nightly meals at the ranch. No doubt. Jeff says better briskets. Ron says, it's unified the Bedwetters, the Never Happy, Sunshine Pumpers, and the Rational Fan. We are one now. <laughs> Which one did we fall under? Were we the Bedwetters? We're the
0: Bedwetters and the Sunshine Pumpers. We <laughs> fall into two categories.
1: I don't think you have to just fall I'll into allow one. it.
0: That's great.
1: Yeah. Actually naming a starting quarterback. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Uh,
0: the infusion of business into the ranch in Norman has been great because they opened their doors like March 1 of 2020 whenever everything went into shutdown, right? That was horrible timing. But that Friday night dinner with about 30, 40 guys,
1: got to be pretty pricey. Brent eats a ribeye. Mule went in there and ate a Caesar salad. That was it.
0: Someone... I remember this. This is so funny. He did, you know how he used to do the coaches show and he would zoom, do it on Zoom or however they he did yeah, it. Yeah,
1: he, he couldn't even have the decency to show up last year. Yeah, I remember that. Did it off-site. Well, one
0: time he was off-site and he grabbed a drink, took a drink of it, and put it back down off-camera. And someone screenshotted him taking a drink and said it was – like a carton of soy milk
1: oh my gosh <laughs> and i have was no like- avocado toast in the shot as well or was that it was just
0: fu- i had no idea if that was actually what it was but it was just hilarious that they screenshotted it and tweeted it out
1: all right quick time out more from the
0: rush coming up we'll wrap up our number one next
1: All right, short segment as we close up hour number one. We'll get some more OU football at the top of hour number two. OU announced today that spring practice is going to start – Later this month on March 22nd in 20 days, and it's something that we talked about yesterday, they're trying to get all their ducks in a row. They're trying to get in as best shape possible. They're doing everything they can. They'll move back to start a spring practice. They want to be in the best situation possible to maximize each of these spring practices, which makes a whole lot of sense with the current situation.
0: And, you know, they missed time with some of the winter weather for off-season strength and conditioning, so... That development is critical. Giving Schmidty his time this offseason is critical. So they're gonna give them plenty of time with old Schmidrow before they get into spring ball. All right, quick time out. Hour number two is coming up next.